Yay, he finally got it. Yay, I got it. <laughs> Welcome aboard the flight attendant podcast. The seatbelt sign is on. It's going to be a rough ride. Welcome back to the Flight Attendant Podcast. I'm Uncle Josie, and I'm here with... I'm B. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I just got back home from my friend's wedding in Nashville. It, like, it's like COVID never happened oh. there. Oh, yeah. I think I saw some of the pictures. I wasn't sure if it was the wedding because I didn't see actual wedding pictures. I I'm will... like, oh, must be a layover. No, was... no. So I don't like to take... What uh, pictures of the wedding because the couple has paid an enormous amount of money to have a professional photographer only to have uneducated guests who get in the way of the professional photographers and then take to take their pictures. So then the uh, professional photographers then miss out the actual good pictures that the couple wants. So I made it a rule that if I'm going to a wedding, I'm, I'm there to enjoy the event. The couple will have their pictures taken by a professional photographer because they have paid a lot. And who am I to try to gather a picture where I, when I haven't been to school to be a professional photographer? You know what? That makes a lot of sense. I never thought about it until you started mentioning it. I'm like, wow, that is so true. Like these people pay so much money for photographers to take uh, pictures of the whole entire event. And uh, but I never, never crossed my mind. That's a good point of view. Yeah. So I just, so I don't have any pictures of the actual wedding ceremony. I have pictures at the reception. And even then I made sure that all my pictures were taken from like a side view where I wasn't obstructing the photographer because, you know, they were taking pictures of the first dance and the father daughter dance and the mother son dance. So like, I only took a couple and then I took my selfie with my friend, you know, the bride and then took pictures of like everybody at the party, um, you know, selfies and things like that. But as far as, you know, doing like the important stuff and also like I, as I personally would not want my wedding out there before I've had a chance to even look at any pictures. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. Oh, and I saw the picture of the bride and she looked amazing. From she, last time I saw her to now, I was yes. like, wow, she did a great job. She did. She did. Okay, so this is our second episode of The Quick Turn. It's just going to be us and the news. Do you have news for me? I do. I do have some news. Tell me, tell me. Um, do you want to hear the more serious one first or the more quirky one? I finally have a quirky one. Okay, well, let's do the serious one, and then we can finish with the quirky one. Okay, perfect. So from simpleflying.com, Southwest sees demand take off with 79% load factor in April. Dallas-based Southwest Airline is optimistic about summer traveling after recording a 79% load factor during April. All the Boeing 737 airlines says flights are fuller and that bookings for summer 2021 resemble pre-pandemic levels. Southwest cites its latest load factors and increased booking as evidence that airlines industry in the United States is poised to make a comeback. 
fueling a rise in bookings, our flights to summer leisure destinations, and with people fed up with COVID-19 restrictions, I can, you know, watch for that. Summer vacations are on everyone's mind. While commenting on Southwest Airlines' April low factor, the Associated Press said that the low-cost carrier is now predicting flights in June will be 85% full. So it sounds like a lot of the airlines are starting to make numbers and see how summer is going to be. Yeah, that's good. I mean, it's certainly good for the economy. I just hope that the passengers, you know, can behave themselves. Yeah, well, huh. um, yeah. I mean, and I think Southwest just um, opened up a lot of uh, uh, ways to get into Hawaii from more destinations. So they're they're pretty much dominating that that side or to, they're trying to dominate that side. So good for them. Right. That's good. I'm glad. I just want to, you know, be able to have a job and all that stuff. So how would you feel about getting weighed to be on a plane? Oh, girl, I don't know. Don't <laughs> get me started with that. <laughs> you don't want to get weighed? No, I do not want to know those things. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> okay, so this is from Fox 13 now. So a new report says the passengers could be required to divulge their weight or weigh themselves in front of airline personnel at the gate before flying. Um, the There's an airline blog called View from the Wing. It says that the rising rates in obesity in the U.S. means that data the airlines use to ensure the safety is outdated. So I, what I heard from another actually from our friend, one of our friends, is that her pilot boyfriend had told her that all the information that they have used for weight and balance purposes was like data from back in the 70s. So so everything is, you know, everything is outdated. People, the, like the median weight now is higher than it was back in the 70s. Plus a lot more people are flying now than they were back in the 70s. So, you know, a lot of stuff takes into consideration. So it says pending flight requirements would mandate airline employees to take surveys to set standard average passenger weights for crew members, baggage, and passengers throughout random sampling and call on passengers to participate on a voluntary basis. Do you remember when they were weighing our uh, luggage at the airport? I do. I think that was part of this. Yeah. So new standards from the Federal Aviation Administration will increase the average weight of an adult passenger and carry-on bag to 190 pounds in the summer and 195 in the winter, an increase of 12% from the previous standard. Do you really think about 200 pounds? The thing is, it's like, this is a combined weight of a person with a carry-on. And that is that the average that they're going for the two hundred pound? Well, one ninety. It's one ninety. One ninety in the summer, one ninety five in the winter. That's confusing. Why oh, are they adding that well, extra food into the winter? <laughs> well, I think that I think not only extra food in the winter, but also like the jacket or your coat. Did you, okay, that that makes sense. I I don't think that's realistic. I think is is actually more than that. Right, exactly. So according to the report, it is not known when passengers would start to be asked to step on a scale. According to the report, (laughs) it's not known when passengers would start to be asked to step on a scale, but their weight would be kept confidential. So I did look at the view from the wing, um, their 
you know, their reports and stuff that they did. So if the operator decides to use an actual weight program, how might it determine the actual weight of pass the weight of passengers? And an operator may determine the actual weight of passengers by weighing each passenger on a scale before boarding the aircraft. And then types of weight scales and scale tolerance will be defined in the operator's approved weight and balance control program or asking his or her, or like asking each passenger for his or her weight. An operator should add this, asked volunteer weigh at least 10 pounds to account for clothing. An operator would increase this, this allowance for clothing on certain routes during certain seasons if appropriate. If an operator believes that the weight volunteered by a passenger is understated, the operator would make a reasonable estimate of the passenger's actual weight and add 10 pounds. So if I go up there and I say, oh, I weigh 150 pounds, and they don't think I weigh 150 pounds, they're going to be like, okay, well, she's probably like in 180, and then I'm going to add like another 10 pounds to that, and then add more for my carry-on. Because I'm sorry, like you can't judge I, a person's you can't judge a person's weight by by like seeing them because I correct. don't I don't have, like you can't account for like the height and like the way that the the body fat sits on you like your body shape and all of that it just like it's gonna create I don't know I feel like a lawsuit is coming if if oh, they, <laughs> if they don't go this about this the right way. Because also a lot of scales aren't, that, scales are all scales aren't the same, or it also has a lot to do with where the scale is positioned, if the floor is even, if there's anything underneath it, like if it's on a mat, if it's on a hard floor. I mean, if they're looking for precision, yeah, they're gonna have to adjust that, and they have to calibrate those um, uh, weight um, scales uh, often. Um, but if they're gonna go for estimate. I'm, I'm pretty sure that any scale will do. However, the volunteering part is the part that I'm like, that's that's just not going to work. People are not, I'm pretty sure that a, a good amount of people are conscious of their weight, whether you are obese or you are underweight. That's a big mental issue. And go there with a stranger just to confirm your fears or your concerns for an airplane, it's just not something that I, I feel like people are going to be doing or volunteering that easy. And I under, I do understand that we do need new regulations as far as, you know, as far as weight balance goes, because there's a whole bunch of array of different size of passengers that are traveling nowadays. The data that they had from back in the 70s is inconclusive. But at the same time, they, I mean, they could start with just the crew members because we all are different shapes sizes and heights and i and that would be like a good way to start and then like it says you know asking for volunteers but it but it it should come from the faa and it shouldn't come from like each airline i can see that point the faa getting involved it will make it more official than just the airline itself because can you imagine somebody you can open a can of form exactly exactly and especially for people that don't travel often if they if they just happen to have to be traveling at one of the times that they're being weighed they're like they're you know they're gonna feel offended and they won't understand that right you know it's not because they're being targeted it's because they need to gather data i mean when when they were weighing our when they were weighing our luggage i just kind of stayed away from the airport well I remember it was at the beginning, it was voluntarily. And then after that, it became mandatory. Like when when my bag got weighted, 
it's like I had no option of like saying no. It was just like, yeah, you're you're here, you're going to. And I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, I didn't care. My lunchbox, uh, my lunch bag weighed more than my <laughs> actual uh, suitcase. I so, mean, my lunch bag now is like two thirds of the size of my regular luggage. My rollerboard. <laughs> you saw it. Yeah, my supervisor looked at me. He's like. What do you have? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I have a whole road to take in there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> do you want to hear my next story? Yeah, let's hear it. Okay, so this is from Simple Flying. And it says, court, de- court decides state aid for Air France, KLM, and TAP broke rules. The European Union General Court has determined that state aid granted to Air France, KLM, and TAP violated EU, EU rules. Europe's second highest court annulled approval for aid packages, citing a lack of justification and reasoning from their European Commission. However, the annulments and cash repayments will be suspended until further rulings are made by the European Commission. So the Luxembourg-based General Court has ruled that 3.4 billion euros, that's uh, 4.15 billion US dollars in aid for Air France KLM and 1.2 billion euros and 1.46 billion dollars in aid for TAP went against EU rules on state aid. Both airlines were granted large ca- large cash inche- injections in 2020 to help them stay afloat. The uh, general court said in a statement, the general court annuls the commission's decision to approve the Netherlands financial aid for the airline KLM amid the COVID-19 pandemic on the grounds of inadequate reasoning. A similar decision was made regarding the state aid granted to Portuguese carrier TAP with the court citing an inadequate statement of reason on the part of the European Commission. But the rulings won't be enforced imminently, so despite their re- the legal rulings, their application will be suspended pending further decisions by the Commission, and the Commission will examine the findings of the general court and may yet reverse the decision. Consequently, both carriers won't have to repay the bailouts imminently, with KLM claiming the general court decision has no consequences until the European Commission makes further rulings. Portugal Prime Prime Minister Antonio Costa stressed that the decision is still preliminary and that the state aid is justifiable due to the impact of the pandemic. And Costa said, given the crisis that hit the aviation sector around the world, it was unthinkable for the European Commission not to lift restrictions on state aid. A legal victory for Ryanair. So a loudest voice against the EU state bailouts has been Ryanair, which filed a total of 16 cases against the European Commission for its approval of various state aid packages. The Irish carrier put the, put up a stern resistance to the bailouts, which it claimed were at the expense of fair competition and consumers. And then Ryanair welcomed the decision in a statement today saying the European the European Commission's approval of state air state aid to Air France KLM and TAP went against the fundamental principles of EU law and reversed the clock on the process of liberalization in air transport by rewarding inefficiency and encouraging unfair competition. So it just sounds like these two particular airlines were aided with money, whereas other airlines were not. So therefore they have an advantage of you know, being on top after the pandemic. Whereas here in the U.S., you know, the government helped all of the airlines. You, you know, they were all giving. Oh. Wow, I didn't know that. I, I, no, but KLM took advantage of these situation. Yeah, exactly. So um, it said, yeah, so it just says that, um, it just says, unless halted by EU courts in lines with today's rulings, the state aid spree will restore the market for decades to come. If Europe is to emerge from this crisis of the functioning single market, airlines must be allowed to compete on a level, on a level playing field. So it just, you know, like ALM, uh, KLM and TAP were given money 
So they were able to stay afloat during the pandemic and other airlines were not. So other airlines are going to be struggling to come back. Whereas, you know, K, KLM and TAP will not be. Which I'm very surprised about KLM because they have such a reputation. You know, you will think that they will do things a little bit more, more right, I guess. But then I again... Mean, it, it all has to do with, you know, money and the whoever the yeah. is in charge and all that stuff. Well, you know what they say, money talks. Wait. Exactly. Yeah, money yeah, talks. Yeah, money talks. <laughs> so, my news from the Mercury News. 12 wild things that happened in aviation in 2020. Oh, that sounds fun. Um, this was a heinous year for the aviation industry. Absolutely horrendous, in fact. But among the gloom, there were some lighter, crazier, even hopeful moments that capture our imaginations during the dark times. Here are, here are the wildest. Number one, a tiny airport in Alaska became the world's busiest. Alaska's Anchorage International lacks the, waterfall, the waterfalls and razzmatazz of Singapore Changi or the eight runways of Chicago Hair. But in April, this unassuming little airport briefly became the busiest airport in the world. It was a, a down to a combination of global passenger traffic being wiped out by the pandemic and the terrifying of medical supplies contributing to a race on cargo traffic. Number two, flights to nowhere became a thing. Well, we travelers got to so starve of the pleasures of whizzing above the ground in a pressurized tube that when Australian airline Qantas launched a seven hours sightseeing tour over sites such as Byron Bay and the Gold Coast, it sold out in 10 minutes. In Taiwan, these flights to nowhere were also combined with onboard speed dating. Did you heard about that? I no. did. No, what? Yes. Um, number three, Naomi Campbell was aviation's Nostradamus. <laughs> oh, my what? God. Uh, back in summer 2019, the world looked on amazement as Naomi Campbell revealed her elaborate airplane ritual, which involved wearing disposable gloves, wiping down surfaces, and antibacterial wipes, and wearing a face mask. Okay, Naomi. This is pre-pandemic, too. All right. Number four, the world's longest flight got even longer. The shuffling and rerouting occasioned by the pandemic threw up a lot of surprises aviation records. First French airline, Air Tahiti, knew he flew the longest ever scheduled passenger flight by distancing transiting 9,765 miles. I think I don't even do that much in one month. I know, me either. <laughs> from, from Tahiti to Paris. Uh, one of milestones forced by U.S. travel restrictions. Then for a few days, Qantas ran the first ever A380 passenger flight between Australia and London. I read, I read about that one too. I saw it on the news. Yeah, I read it about eight that hour, one too. 18 hour 18 flight. hour flight, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, number five, a 64-year-old accidentally ejected himself from a fighter jet. How do you accidentally do that? I don't know. So a surprise outing an airbase caused a 64-year-old Frenchman so much stress that flung himself from a fighter jet in mid-air. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, six passenger planes became cargo plane. Oh, wow. Okay. The pandemic sparked an aviation trend known as freight. Oh, my God. Freighter flights. Freighter and flights. I think that's a made-up word. No, it's not. Yeah. Is it? 
no, it's not a made up word. It's okay. an actual word. Knowing, no, knowing Egypt, okay. so that word flights, <laughs> the crater flights, a portmanteau of whatever that meant, of passengers and freighter, in which airline retro retrofit their passenger cabins to whole packages instead of passengers. Number seven, a plane took off without a pilot in charge. How does that happen? I, I'm, I'm right, so back in January. Yeah, back in January, Airbus broke the news that one of its test aircraft has successfully taken off automatically at France Toulouse Blagnac Airport the month before. So that makes sense. Now we're heading to an era where we're not going to have pilots. Let me tell you. Number eight, a plane took off without jet fuel. Oh, well, that's interesting. Is this that movie the or largest... that show that I was watching? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> The world's largest all-electric aircraft made its maiden flight in May, marking a new milestone in all-electric technology. The nine-passenger uh, nine e-caravan plane went for a 30-minute jump over Moses Lake, Washington. That's really good, actually. That's Yeah, that's a good number way to nine, move forward. Birdies. Yeah, yeah. Keep the pilots, make them electric. Yep. Number nine, Berlin's cursed airport finally opened. I'd never heard of this before. So nearly a decade behind schedule, 4 billion euros, nearly $5 billion, over budget and mid-pandemic Berlin's blackguard new airport finally opened its doors at the end of October. Number 10, there were still lots of funny-looking new planes. The whale-shaped Airbus Beluga XL, one of the biggest bees in the skies, entered full-time service in January. I want to see that one. I can't wait to see it. Is there pictures? I'm no. But I seen I seen pictures of it. They're they're on the internet. A mysterious bullet-shaped plane first spotted three years ago in Southern California Logistic Airport was released in August to meet the Celera 500L, a six-person private aircraft that promises to fly at jet speed but with eight times lower fuel consumption. And finally, the Caspian Sea Monster, a colossal Soviet-era ground effect vehicle. Somewhere between a hovercraft and an aircraft was transported along the Russian coast in the city of Durban after 30 years in hibernation. I saw that one actually uh, on a video as well. Number 11, there were still lots of really fast planes. In February, British Airways smashed the record of quickest subsonic flight from New York to London, reaching a top speed of more than 800 miles per hour. I'd be down to go to London in and number four hours. Yeah, uh, me too. You know what? Four hours, eight hours, I don't care as long as you take me there. <laughs> and as long as you're not working the flight? <laughs> then, yeah, true. <laughs> Number 12, takes off where easy but touchdowns got harder. That's what he said. Yeah. Ignoring yeah. the no lockdowns in April at Bayway of International High Rollers were turned away by police at Marseille Airport after taking off from London in search of sun and fun in the French Riviera. A month later, German low-cost carrier Eurowings got a little over-eager when it resumed service from Dusseldorf to Sardinia, Italy, but was forced to turn around at its destination because the airport was still closed. Then six Lufthansa 747s flew into a Dutch airport in the summer, but then were stranded until Halloween because of a safety certificate issue. Larger jets were permitted to land at 20 airport 
It's not 20, it's 20 airport, but not take off. So finally, in December, Nepali airline Buddha Air brought some bad karma on itself when it flew passengers to the wrong airport, some 250 miles from the intended destination. So those are 12 little crazy things. stories. Okay, that's that's, that's yeah, funny. interesting. I never I hadn't heard of the one you said. In, is it in Taiwan? You said that they were having the flights plus speed dating. Yeah, well, I heard that one, and also the um, I think it was a New Zealand one or the Australian one that does sightseeing. And I'm mm-hmm. like, man, these pilots are bored. <laughs> well, the people are bored on being able to leave the country. Yeah, uh, remember back? Yeah, I know this was back maybe like in the early 2000s, it was like at the start and the height of like online dating. Um, I want to say it was Northwest Airlines, and they had um. Uh, like matching or like yeah like love match flights where they would like sit you right next to somebody that was single too and see if you would hit it off no yeah i, I never heard of that yeah this was like it, this was a would you do it like, would i do it um would you do something like that? yeah i mean yeah why not you know would you probably <laughs> i mean just so i can say uh better than that right you never right. know you never you know you never know like, you know but anyway, so that's it for the quick turn today. Um, do you have anything else to add? No, I think this is it. Hey, where can they find us? <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> well, actually, there's something that we have been forgetting to include in pretty much every episode. And that is, please subscribe and rate the podcast. We are on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and Google Podcasts. Um, just you know, subscribe everywhere. Um, so Instagram is at the Flight Attendant Podcast. Twitter is at Stay Safe, Flight Safe. Email us at the Flight Attendant Podcast at gmail.com. Website, the Flight Attendant Podcast.com. Awesome. Yay. He finally got it. Yay. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone, stay safe, fly safe, and we'll see you next time. Fly safe. Love, Love you. you.